Welcome to another edition of the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number 15. I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. Uh, today's guest, him and I go way back to some pretty fun, um, fun, it was a fun time in our lives. Um, lots of playing, lots of mayhem. Uh, it was, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit, I'm sure. Um, anyways, I'll let him introduce himself, name, and uh, what he's up to right now. Sure. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, lots of fun. Uh, great seeing you, by the way. Mm -hmm. Guillermo Salazar. Uh, I'm the CEO of a company in Calgary called I See What You See, and uh, native Calgarian. Or sorry, I didn't say native. Moved to raised Calgarian. When raised, did you when did you move here? Like when I was four. Okay. So technically, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, basically, we'll Calgary. give it to you. <laughs> yeah, the city was pretty small at the time. I uh, grew up in Cedarbury and then Brayside, and yep. then uh, went to high school. All right, I, I was in the separate system. I was in St. Gerard and St. Matthew, then then Bishop Granon. And then went to university here. So I ticked them all here yep. and uh, started my career here. So did, uh, and then also we'll chat a bunch about uh, worked in bars and, and restaurants all throughout my my early 20s and uh, and ultimately started another company here in consulting. And we grew that to about 65 people and yep. we sold that to Deloitte and I spent some time at Deloitte and then left Deloitte and started ICUC in, uh, well, sorry, started another consulting company in between there and started ICUC in 2018. Cool. So you, um, you definitely fall into the entrepreneurial category when there's the three artists, athletes, and entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. There, seems, to, there seems to be a trend that you just kind of... unhireable. That's a good way to put it. Um, you've seen a couple of these shows, and, and what I like to do is uh, take the guests back as far as they kind of want to go. Um, I just like to... And for you, like, you know, we started hanging out later in our lives, probably early 20s. So, yeah, take it back, take it back a, a bit you know, whether it's junior high, wherever you want to go and just like what you're interested in and, and your passions back then, inspiration. And then we'll just kind of start weaving our way to, to yeah. where you are today. I mean, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in uh, Cedar Bray, part of town. I uh, spent a lot of my life, um, you know, like, like I think a lot of your, your guests, uh, like working. Right. And yeah. so working was a big part of my life and certainly a lot more than, than maybe kids these days. And, yeah. uh, and so like from early, there, early age, early, like, yeah, it's paper boy. Right. Okay. And then from paper boy, I started doing volunteering work at, uh, to get a job as a sailing school instructor. I taught sailing at 16 to no like, way. I was like 22 crazy at the reservoir. No, not 21, 21. No, that's even late too late. I can't remember. It was, it was maybe even night. Yeah. Random, 19. random job by the way. Yeah. Super random. But I lived in Brayside and Cedar Bray. Right. right? So it was, so it was right, right there. there. And, uh, and, uh, got a chance to meet a lot of people in Calgary because every phys ed 30 class went through right. the, that, uh, that program. And yep. so we met a ton of kids doing that and, uh, you know, then working in bars and then working in restaurants and then going to university here, you end up meeting a lot of folks. Why and did, so, um, why did you start working so early? Were you, were you forced into it? Yeah. Like we didn't have a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody had, it seems to me no one had money at that age. Like no kids had money. Yeah. I, I think that wealth was pretty pretty distant for most kids in Calgary. Yep. And uh, cause my story is not unlike anybody uh, is not, yeah, is, is very similar to everybody I know and my whole cohort. And so I don't think we had a lot of money growing up. Mm -hmm. Like we used to, you know, we used to play in dumpsters. We yep. used to like ride bikes and that's all you did. Yep. And a bike was so valuable. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, we'd go play in construction ditches and stuff. And so, like I said, like, you just made it up. You just made it up. And if you wanted stuff, you just go get a job and, yep. uh, and you'd go earn your money. Yep. And so, yeah, it, it was a case. We just, I wanted stuff. And so I went and got a job and, you know, my first job, uh, like, like I said, paper boy, which I did that for like a years. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and the, the best part, like delivering the Herald, like 
<clears throat> you know, you deliver the Saturday paper and all these things and you'd have to do these routes and the paper gut was huge back then. Especially on Saturdays. Especially on Saturdays. And then I remember like my last gig, cause I even worked up the seniority stack of paper routes. Oh yeah, so you got the good one? I got a good one. I got an apartment complex. Which means you can deliver the, the most papers in the short shortest amount of time. Shortest amount of time. Yeah, okay. And an apartment complex where they actually gave you keys. Like, can you imagine that today? I had keys <laughs> to an apartment complex and I was like them? 12, no 13. Way. And then you go in there and you'd, you'd open it up the doors and you'd have your papers. And you just literally walk like like whatever, 20 feet, 20 feet, 20 every feet. Every door. Drop every door, drop paper, drop paper, drop paper. It was awesome. And then you're but, done. And then you're done. But they were the hardest guys to collect from. Because remember back then, Paperboy had to actually go collect money from everybody that they right. delivered papers to. Right. Which, uh, which sucked. Because then you're banging on doors in an apartment complex trying to yeah. collect their whatever, their $9 a month mm -hmm. for their uh, weekly. What they pay? Cash or checks? Or what was it? You get cash sometimes. Oh, no you get checks sometimes. Crazy. It was a wild check to get a check for like $9.85. That was <laughs> actually, that was a monthly Harold subscription at the time. Was it made out to you? Or was it made out to the It was made out to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd have to write a check back to the Herald for every no single way. month. Or you'd give them a, I think you wrote a check. I think you wrote a check. Crazy. You certainly didn't interact transfer it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that for years. And then I ended up, um, I ended up busting tables and working retail. Just Where, all the. What was your first restaurant gig? Chi Chi's Mexican restaurant. No way. Yeah. 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 Um, who was it? I, was, I think it was my buddy Jackson on one of the early episodes. He said, he was talking about like the big Saturday nights in Calgary. He's yep. like, yeah, ma, let's go to Chi Chi's. Chi -Chi's. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Well, like again, as I said, like we didn't have a ton of money growing up and we used to get a discount there right? as a, as, as a staff, staff member, right? I think it was like 40% offer. Yep. Something. It was, it was, it was immeasurable. And so we'd go there and we were like wheels, like we're all ordering fajitas, which is mm -hmm. like the most expensive thing on the menu mm -hmm. and whatever and caution the dishes are hot. But oh yeah, we had a blast. So you're busing there? Yeah, I was busing there. And then did you have another job at the same time or do you, or your uh, jobs like do one, next one, do one, next one? Do, no, was, they're always stacked. Like I would do, no, I mean, I was still going to school when I was in elementary or not elementary, junior high school and, yep. and uh, high school. So Jeez. you just, yeah, it was that. And then, um, and then I worked retail for a bunch. Cause like, I mean, remember like, like the, remember the wage was like $3 and 55 cents or something like that. See, I did start working until I was like, <laughs> I was like three fifty five. was no wonder we didn't have any money. Like that was minimum wage but, and that's all we paid us. <laughs> <laughs> like you get a paycheck for like $95. That and was you your worked, paycheck. And you, and, you worked, worked. and you worked for it. Hours. Yeah, to thank him. I think my first job was at um, Safeway, maybe in West Hills, because I was playing hockey all the time, so I couldn't really yeah. do both. So I think my first job at Safeway stocking shelves, I think I made like 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. But, but like, back, back then, Safeway. That was like the elite job, like yeah. Safeway and co-op. I remember all the guys, all the people that used to work there, they used to drive these tricked out Mustangs. I'm like, so how, they, how do these guys afford them? It was probably a Capri. <laughs> <laughs> Debadged. De yeah, it was probably a Mercury Capri. So where were you working retail? Oh, I worked, you know, I basically worked at everywhere in South Center Mall. Oh, it's so your, oh, okay. Mall yeah, guy. The mall guy. Yeah. I mean, I worked at, uh, oh, some of these embarrassing venues. I mean, Canary Island. Crazy, man. Like a Kinney shop. Uh, and then I had, a, I had in grade 12, I worked at Jersey City. It was a really good job. Cool. And it was a cool job. And did you just bounce around? Just Is somebody you would see it now hiring and you just go apply? Or yeah, people I mean, I think you just kind of get bored. Like, I mean, it wasn't like it was your, yeah. like, moving into management. Yeah. I remember when I was at Canary Island, that was the very first time I heard someone got an email. They had to go up to one store, I think the Sun Sports, I think it was probably a kidney shop, and they yeah. had to go get, collect the email from the company and go no read way. the email. Crazy. But yeah. And then, uh, and then I went back to Chi Chi's for my first waitering job. Okay. Um, and then I ended up Joy Tomatoes, and that's where I really started kind of 
worked in the restaurant scenes then. And the Joey's, which one down in Joey to me, Southport? Okay, yeah. So like at the time, like Southport was kind of a bit of a hotbed. You had yeah. Earl Southport and Joey Southport were big action, big spots for action. And yep. So we'd go there and, and have fun. So what what was the um, why did the service like industry start? Why was that your move? Why do you think it was? Why did you go there? Did you have the personality? Did you just like like ton, the action? It was a ton of fun. Um, it was it was your job is to be friendly and charming and remember things. And I, I think I really like a lot of people in service. I really like the, the, the pace, yep. like the, the adrenaline rush of being yep. slammed. I mean, every server, you know, has a, a memory or a nightmare of where they keep getting sat tables and, mm -hmm. you know, their drink order never comes up. And then all of a sudden table 12 wants cappuccinos. And it's mm -hmm. like, that never happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, that's <laughs> just like, it's that level of anxiety and managing through all that. And yep. so, yeah, I mean, and it was, it was, and it was great money. I mean, we made, a, we made really good money for the amount of effort we put in. Yep. I mean, if, I mean, no one even used, looked at their paycheck back then. It yep. was all about tips. Mm -hmm. So it was a total, mm -hmm. if you can think about it, it was a hundred percent commission industry. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and a lot of people with certain characteristics thrived yep. and made a ton of good friends. Like our friends today, our best friends are, were people we met in the restaurant mm -hmm. and bar industry. Yep. Did you... You went to university in Calgary, like you said, and were you working in restaurants and bars then? Yeah. Yeah, I worked all the way through. Gotcha. And, wh and where were you, was it, when you were going to school, did it, what did you graduate with? Commerce degree. Okay. Yeah. You're the second guy. You're like back-to-back -back commerce guys. That's why, that's why I feel so stupid <laughs> careful, around here. Careful. <laughs> we, we think we're worth more than we really are. So the... So you were fine. So you worked restaurants all the way through university. That's oh, what yeah. kind of put you through? Even Even after. Like I was in, um, I uh, got married at 26 and a half. Yeah. And I, I think I had my bar job until I was like 27. That yeah. might even sound right. So, and the reason why we had, so we, we I worked the bar job to save for the wedding. Yeah. To pay for our, pay Which for bar? Our, well, embassy. Okay. That's yeah. it. That is embassy, the bar. Yeah. That's the bar job. Okay. Yeah. I worked the embassy until, um, cause then Allison and I met at embassy. Yeah. And um, she left to go to Cilantro or Concord, then went to Cilantro. And then, um, and she was in the restaurant industry until our, like our, she was pregnant with our first mm -hmm. and still work in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's our background. And like, yeah, I worked there until I was working on a project in Montreal, right? So we're working crazy hours in Montreal and I would fly back from Montreal, sleep on the plane in time for my bar shift. Work Friday, Saturday. Work Friday, Saturday night. Because I was making more money at the bar mm -hmm. than I was doing management consulting. And that place was we were busy. back in the heyday. Like yeah, the, we the embassy was like. Yeah, we were busy. And was, there was a period of time where I remember talking to our manager, this incredible guy, Drew Smith. Drew, Drew at the time after Lee left. Yep. And I come in and I'm just exhausted from a work week. And he's like, and it was dead, thankfully. And he's like, you don't need to start tonight. And I was like, oh, good. And he's like, are you sure you want to start ever again? <laughs> 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 and I was like. You know, Drew, I don't think I do. I don't think I can do this anymore. You no, know what? You reached your I'd capacity. Reached, I, I maxed out. And yeah. he's like, yeah, I don't think you do. I don't think you can either. And I was like, strongly suggested. suggested. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> My bar days are done. What do you, um, what do you think about those days? Like those are, those are probably some of the funnest moments that I've oh, had. Easily like, the best. I think we had the best nightclub staff ever. It was, it, it was unique, wasn't it? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like we had, I mean, for starters, the bar, uh, it was jammed. Like the energy jammed. level in that nightclub was so high yeah. all the time. Yeah. And uh, we had such good bar staff and such good, I mean, and, and, and just the vibe and the uniqueness. And it was like, 
it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Like we had so much fun. What's your, what's your, like, you know, I got a bunch of memories. What's, what's the one that, what's the, what's the oh, one that jumps to the just, top of your head? Yeah. You know, I was thinking of some of these, like, I can remember like we had the rooftop patio, we're the only rooftop patio on town. Yeah. And we let that thing stay open way too late. Like mm -hmm. we were having, remember our, we had, the wells were freezing. <laughs> like we had bottles of booze inside the well and the ice inside the ice well was freezing because it was like minus 10 outside mm -hmm. and we're at a nightclub patio. Mm -hmm. And, and there was like, I mean, it was just, just things like that. I mean, I, I don't know. There's so many good stories. I, and I think about the characters and, and the ones that come to mind is obviously like Faust. You know, oh yeah. The, the old man, uh, the grumpy, entire, grumpy German. Yep. And just like crushing camel wides. Yep. And smoking. <laughs> and like, this is back when the, when, you know, it's old school wax and he's got 15 smokes oh, and, yeah. he's and he's, and, and he's hosting a big party week in and week yeah. out. And the other, the other two you know, there's, I could, they're all characters, but Deo and Gruber. Oh yeah. The two bartenders that you worked with a lot. Just yeah. back then it was, the bartenders had such a um, big personalities and a big piece of the equation and just, just how they, the interaction with customers and just how quick and witty they were. And just, it was so much fun well, watching I mean, those guys. I tell you something, we were on such a adrenaline high the whole time we were like behind that wood. Like, you know, this is time like 25 cent drinks mm -hmm. and you had to pour them. Volume. Like you had to pour them and you had to pour it. Like we'd bring out like $9,000 and that's with two hours and 25 cent drinks. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, just, you just did a sweat at the end of the night. And mm -hmm. it would take us a good hour and a half just to wind down mm -hmm. after the night closed. Yep. And that's why they had after hours, right? But like we just go there and get after hours and, and party till like six in the morning. Yeah. Um, like I remember some after hours, like you're walking up, people are going to work mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, maybe this one went a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the, the sun's up and it's winter time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a ton of fun. I mean, what we was had it? Such, like, what, it was just the people, it was all the, all the, all the customers. The, well, you just, know, and I think Ernie touched on it when, in, in the session, like, I do think that it was a much smaller business then. Right. And, um, and, and the people, like we worked with the same people over and over again. And, uh, we got away with a whole lot more, yeah. you know, we were, we were paid to have fun. Yeah. And if we weren't having fun, then it, it, it kind of cascaded down to everybody. Yeah. And it wasn't an act. We were totally had fun. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, I, I think that that was part of the whole, that attracted a certain type of personality mm -hmm. and that personality, um, enjoyed being with it. You know, it's, it's mirror image of itself. And, uh, and we, we, we had a, we had a, such a blast. Right. But like, it, I mean, the like Jody Lascott, uh, yeah. like Rubberhead, I guess Rubberhead was his nickname. I'm going to know him Rubberhead. Yeah. And you get into like, even the ones of the crazy horse, right? Like, like Lonnie, little Bob Smith, all those guys, like, mm -hmm. um, um, Andre, Jeremiah, right? Mm -hmm. Like all those personalities, we all att were attracted to one another and we yeah. all were really loyal to one another. Yeah. And so it didn't matter where you were. Um, you know, like I said, like I, I kind of came up through the Joy Tomatoes, the, the, I guess it's Joy's now. Joy's through um, into, uh, like I worked at, on First Street at Gargoyles. Yeah. And that's where I met Aristotle, mm -hmm. right? Ari and I worked there. And then oh, yeah. they opened up Bermuda Triangle below yep. and they worked there and I'd moved over to embassy at the time. And then mm -hmm. all these, just these, just these people. And then eventually you just, we wanted to work with your buddies. Yeah. And so like, I remember when we opened up embassy, we had Molyneux came over from, um, where was he? He was at Vicious Circle. Oh yeah. Right. And Rage Jeremy was at Vicious Circle as mm -hmm. well. Right. So they all came over. I came over from Gargoyles. Uh, we know a bunch of the servers that came over from Frogs mm -hmm. and um, we were like, we all knew each other. Yeah. And we never, you know, may or may not have ever worked before it, worked mm -hmm. together before. And so, and then, and then I think that the owners also at the time, it was really, um, like, like Victor was just treated us like all like yep. really, really like they're, we were family. Right. Yep. 
and um, and he did a good job of make, making us all feel really special. Yeah. In terms of uh, treating us well, having a great Christmas party, and uh, and you know keeping us on the right edge of of um, the right side of right, I'll put mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah. In terms of you know we always knew that Victor was going to come by, and Victor was always mm -hmm. he was never a loose cannon, but he was very very. Um, very, very direct, and he's great yep. to see now because yep. you know he's softened quite a bit. Well, the cool thing is we're sitting in one of his rooms. We're sitting in one of his, exactly. Well, and Vic was great. I mean, he 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 let us all be personalities. I think that he let us all be personalities, yeah. and all of his managers let us all be personalities. Yep. And as long as we the numbers were high, mm -hmm. and we worked, you know, as long as the numbers were high, yeah, it, it didn't matter. It didn't yeah, matter. the place didn't burn down, and like, yeah, you know, just put it on repeat. Yeah, yeah, and and you know there was there was. Um, like you look at even the personalities that came from the Republic mm. that were part of his whole management team, yeah, yeah. right? Like even Andrea mm -hmm. and um, like we were talking about Cam Alti earlier yeah. and those guys and Brad and, and, and all the different places he opened up. Um, that maybe it was that whole Republic like just at the culture core, at the core of it is just that, that that cascaded in everything. Yeah. Maybe that was it. It's, it's it feels very unique and, and, and the, and the reason I think the reason I say that is just because we're we're all still like friends. We yeah. might not, you know, you and I haven't seen each other in who knows how long, but because of those times and how, you, like you said, we we're all like minded and we we're all kind of into the same things. That that connection at that age, early twenties, mid twenties, it just like it seems to. My head always goes back to those days when I think about like the oh, most yeah. enjoyable times. It's it 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 just goes right there, like very quickly, and it's just oh, it, without a doubt. And 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 I I don't know. I mean, I think there's. I do. I, I I do think that this there was that there was like a a really accelerated period of maturity where we had uh, access to booze, loud pumping music, yeah. money in our jeans, and uh, and we were you know we had a bit of a celebrity of some sort. Yeah. And then and then um, and there was no cameras. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. You know, so you're able to just kind of be on the right side of right all yeah, the time. Totally. And uh, and that was the. Uh, I think that was a big part of it is that we were able to do just like ridiculous things like crazy and get away with it. Like we could be like, you could be naked behind your apron. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> just, right. And just it, another it, Friday. It was just another Friday. <laughs> like what the hell happened now? You know? And, and just like some of the fun stuff and I don't know, it was, it was a good time. I, I certainly, uh, I really appreciate that being able to live that life mm -hmm. because we, uh, it was so much fun. And and to live it and still come out on the other side in a good in a good spot. Yeah, and and I'm lucky. I'm lucky in that, like you know, I wasn't. Uh, well, at least I'm lucky because I, I would not have chosen to become a, a manager or a yep. restaurant owner at some point in time. That wouldn't have been my path. But it could have very easily tripped into the lifer, you know, scenario, yep. which you know wouldn't have worked for me in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But uh, I think that you know that's it, it was nice that that those that especially in my group and our peer group those that graduate out of it have become very, very successful. Yep. So it's, you know, and in the middle there, there's just people that drop away. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it was such a, like you said, that out of that, out of that crew, there's definitely a bunch that are successful and have, you know, cool things going on. A lot of them yeah. are doing their own thing, which is, yeah, it, it seems, I don't know. It, it seems like, uh, I, I would be curious, but I would, I would be venture a bet that there's a disproportionate amount of entrepreneurs that come out of the restaurant and bar scene. Why is that you think? I think cause we learned how to hustle early. Like I, I maintain to anybody that'll listen that the biggest problem in this province right now is no one knows how to sell. And I don't mean they don't know how to push or impose their will on somebody else. They actually don't know how to serve 
and listen to a customer and formulate a response for that customer that's desirable for that customer and a good fit for their needs. Which you say it so eloquently, but it's so basic, isn't it? It's so basic. It's like, listening, listening and serving, right? And I, I, I over-rotate when I'm looking at resumes for folks that work in the service business because I know that there's a humility to it. I know that there's an element of, um, of b- being just shit on by somebody and yep. you're not having any, you know, no recourse except for just keep driving on. Yep. And, and I, I do think that that's something that this province is missing uh, in terms of, um, you know, our, our, the elements of our grit. Yep. And you think you can distill it down to that? Like, well, know? I know that I look for that experience yeah, when you're hiring, when I'm hiring is yeah. I, I look, I, I want to make sure I, I just, cause it's not a fair world. And, uh, and, and I, I, there are things that you, if you choose to go into that business, you've kind of like chosen the unfairness of it all yeah, totally. and to try and make that unfairness into your advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think there, there's, uh, the right amount of, maybe there's the right amount of time for having done that. Like, yep. you know, you can't be in it for I mean, maybe not 30 years, but you know, having done that for a period of your time when, yep. when someone, uh, when your paycheck was, uh, a function of someone else's happiness yep. or making them, you know, content and yep. doing it. And not only just the customer, but also the, your team members and your managers and, and working all that out and the owners. And, and that's something that you get a balance, like. And, and I think that you got to balance that as a, in your career. And that's why, you know, maybe that's an interesting data point to discover is that um, when we were out there hustling, we had to balance all those things because there's yeah. only one bill the customer pays. Mm-hmm. And then there's the bill for all the booze. There's a bill for all the vodka. There's a bill for all the um, the, boot, the, uh, the food. Yeah. There's a, there's your wages and there's all that. And, and we kind of even had, we had exposure to that early, uh, early yeah. and in, in a period of time where it was a ton of fun. Yeah. So we were, we were motivated to learn that. Because I, I I just look at our, just yours and my collection of friends that were in the restaurant business, mm-hmm. our business with ourselves, and and the, uh, there's an over representation of entrepreneurs and people that are doing their own thing. It's it's really interesting you say that because I was you know I, I'm, I you know as I talk to people I'm drawing more <clears throat> more correlation to the on the sports side on the athletic side oh, yeah. you know just like being a high high performer and understanding your hierarchy like in these rooms but the interesting I, I haven't thought about the service industry like you are right now which is it makes a ton of sense and it's and to your point all these characters that we grew up with that are successful entrepreneurs it's they did learn how to hustle like they they understood they understood how to handle customers how mm-hmm. to how to do good by them and and also the finance side too like you know ringing all these things into these machines and like it, it's all all these little pieces like it's yeah it's a big and, part and and, and and making sure that's got to be economic yeah right for everybody so yeah i i I don't know. It's and then you you talk to the whole the team the sport thing, right? I mean, again, I also tend to over rotate on people that played on team sports. Like I just why is that? Did you grow? Did you grow up or is it? Um, I grew up playing team sports. Yeah, uh, I didn't play hockey. I we skied instead. Yeah, um, uh, but in spring I played baseball every year, and then of course like you know just on work teams growing up, like yep. even in as summer jobs. But uh, there's there's I just I have such a respect for the team element of it all, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I do think that it comes down to the fact that as a team, you can supersede any group of individuals that's, you know, ever within your competitive, competitive landscape. Yep. So it's trying to figure out how to work better as a team. And so that's, that's a big part of it. And yep. so, you know, you look at the things that we learned, uh, that I learned, sorry, at, in, in, at Joy Tomatoes as an Earl's group, like the things that I learned at, you know, teaching sailing in the reservoir, things mm-hmm. I learned all different places, yep. it all forms, it all comes down to those kind of like 
you know, willing to serve yep. and be humble and, and willing to uh, work as a team. Yep. And I think that, you know, if we can do those two things, those two things, you've got a lot figured out. It's going to go. Yeah. So when did this, um, you know, at the, at the intro, you kind of rattled off, rattled off a bunch of things that you've been up to. Yeah. When did, when did you decide that you had the internal go to kind of start your own thing versus continue working for somebody? Um, I was really lucky and that the very first job I got out of university, I worked for the founder. And so from the very beginning, and we had just done a, um, I came on, I got hired by a company called OmniLogic. Oh, yeah. And OmniLogic was based in Calgary and Toronto. We had offices in Montreal and Vancouver. Um, and uh, we were a uh, technology implementation company. And uh, I got hired by, I was working directly for the, one of the co-founders. And so I learned a ton about the business then, and then eventually went into consulting myself. And, uh, and we were acquired along the way by a company called PricewaterhouseCoopers mm -hmm. Consulting, and then ultimately by IBM by the time I left. But uh, in, in that period of time, I've got to just listen to a guy named, guy named Evan Hugh, who's a local kind of like local uh, business person. Yeah. And, um, and Evan taught me a lot of stuff. And, and his, I learned a lot from Evan and from uh, my direct leader, which is the controller for the company. And so from that cycle, I got introduced to a ton of young people. So, you know, very similar, right, to the restaurant side of things. Mm -hmm. Ton of young people. Uh, we were in a very successful and growing industry. Yep. Uh, we, we we worked hard. We played hard, and um, and we got all, we did we tr we served a tremendous amount of customers in, yep. in a very short amount of time, and um, and so that was kind of always in my space. And and at the time, I mean, the for the skills that we developed um, in terms of this particular technology, there was a real high demand for it, and so it eventually got to a point that I got frustrated with my development, my career development. Um, as it became a bigger company and just the sheer dollars that were available. Yep. And so it was a question of betting on yourself. And I left early and mm -hmm. it's funny cause I left early um, for a subcontract. Like I was in, I was working in Berlin and um, on a contract on a project over there. And then I was interviewing for jobs back in, in Calgary yep. from Berlin. And, uh, and my, my company at the time could only get me jobs in like Miami or other parts of the world, yep. nothing back in my hometown, but I was able to get more jobs back in my hometown than they could. So their business development function was failing to, to some degree at that point in time. Yep. And, uh, and so I just kind of took up, took advantage of the, the, the kind of inefficiency in the market between, uh, their ability to land deals yep. and their, my desire to get paid more money yep. and, uh, and the, and the market. And so got a job at um, my first subcontract at the time was, so after I'd done five years with OmniLogic slash PwC, I was on my own um, working for, uh, for Suncor. Did, and, sorry, before, yeah. you, um, <clears throat> before you left to, before you went to Suncor and you, you're working like right for the co-founder. Yeah. Did, did that start to change? Um, like, was there more layers being put between you and the co-founder? Yeah. And does that start um, making you, less interested because you can't have the same impact? Like, do you um, think? I'll say yes and yes and no, because two things are happening at the same time. So my, so the co-founder, he was getting depowered okay. by his, his deal. Gotcha. Right. Cause he got, you know, we were acquired by PwC. And right. so ultimately everything, every, all the co-founders were depowered. Yep. And so that was happening. And at the same time I was becoming empowered yep. because I was getting better at consulting. Gotcha. So I was, my domain was exceeding 
was was growing faster yeah. and they were getting depowered. And gotcha. so consequently, there was an eventually just a, a mismatch in terms yep. of a work relationship. Yep. And I was just doing my other things. <laughs> so but really good question in, in terms of the fact that, and what's funny about Evan is Evan, um, you know, ultimately came a mentor of mine all throughout my life because he's just been that kind of a, he's a very giving personality yep. and very supportive of, of Calgary and technology in Calgary. And we had this history of where he hired me out of university. Yep. It's crazy. So yeah, it's, it, it it's, all makes sense. It all makes sense. But this gets back to our conversation about the process, yeah. right? Like some of the coaching, you know, I've had an opportunity to have some really good coaching throughout my life. And, uh, do you go after it? Uh, like, do, do you make a conscious decision to get coached or do you? Yes. Are, yes, you, I do. So I, I have, um, I'm, I, let's see, I'll go back in time. So I've had formal coaching really twice yep. and the rest of it's been informal, but structured. And so when I was part of, um, when, so I left here, I'll kind of, I'll frame this all properly. So I left, uh, PwC and I was on my own for a number of years. And then in 09 started a company called Quattro Integration Group. And we, that's the consulting company that myself and three other co-founders, we grew that to 65 consultants and ultimately sold that to Deloitte in 13. Yep. Um, in that period of time, I was part of a, a group called uh, YPO. Oh, yeah. And when I was at YPO, I got, a, I, I got a hold of this concept called the Forum Group, which is like a personal and uh, very confidential business group. Yep. And, and you basically go through structured uh, like, like forum co or peer coaching. Yep. And that's something that I'm really uh, prone to. And so since then I've been a part of, uh, you know, like I didn't have that after we left because of conflicts. Yep. Um, but then after Deloitte, so like I'll say around 15, no, no, sorry, uh, 18, 19, yep. I, I joined a uh, self-directed forum group. And so mm. we meet once a month. Still. And still, yeah, and it's mm. pretty, it's, 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 it's very impactful in that it's like a personal uh, board of directors. Yeah. And so you talk about things in, you know, that are, personal that are business that, that you can't really talk to anybody else yep. and it's all hyper confidential and sealed up yep. so you can be uh, very vulnerable. So that, you know, long before the discussion of vulnerability was kind of in vogue, mm -hmm. uh, I was, I was, I learned the benefits of that uh, within those types of uh, mm. forum groups and, yep. and they're, they're valuable in terms of like, you know, it's like self-help or any of those things like, you know, 12 steps or AA, like, you know, you read about these, 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 groups where vulnerability is foundational. Yep. Trust is foundational. And that's where you can really seek to learn um, to develop because you can you can actually get under the earth of what's the problem, yep. right? And you've got to make yourself, com commit yourself to being, uh, to ask questions that maybe you're not ready to answer. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've been lucky to be in a really part of a very strong forum for quite a while now. And it's a big part of, of my mental, yep. mental health. <laughs> Crazy man, yeah. And they're, they're, I find it super interesting because my, yeah, I've, I've never, my brain just doesn't go there. It's it's such a, it's helpful in that you. It's probably one of those things. I think it's for many people. It's a thirst that they don't know they're thirsty for. Yeah, um, because being able to talk to people that are independent of your competition, your competitive landscape, or what you're dealing with, and then having the approach where you're just. Uh, sharing experiences, asking clarifying questions, yep. and um, and and offering like unequivocal support mm -hmm. uh, is it's really a positive place for ideas to flourish yep. Yep. and for for solutions to flourish. Mm -hmm. And so many times, just the process is something that is again, I'll talk about process a lot, 
but like the process itself is yep. cleansing hmm. for for uh, learning about how uh, how to mitigate a problem or how to um, challenge yourself yep. to do better. And it can yep. be anything. It's wild, man. Um, it, it's such a the way you the way you the way you talk about things and the process and stuff is like the exact opposite of how how I work. So it's super, <laughs> it's super interesting for me to listen to you and just like just understand how you operate and, and how you decide to do things because it's a it's a process that has always felt foreign to me. Process feels very foreign to me. Hmm. I'm, I'm more of like a gut intuition, make moves that way. Yeah. But I totally appreciate process because you need it. But my my first move is always my gut and intuition. I'm not saying you you don't do that, but the the word process and all these th- how you how you articulate you know your how you view business is so different than me, which is just well, I think it's, it's fascinating. I think that ultimately, like, and you're going to find this is that if you want to scale, you've got to you 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 know, I, and I, I'll use this metaphor often. Like, there's like a single chair maker, yep, and then there's IKEA, yep. The both opposite ends, opposite ends of the spectrum, they mm-hmm. do different things. And so you can be a craftsman and craft your way into, yep. into prosperity, or you can be a scale person. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't have the talent to become a craftsman at really at anything. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. But I can, but my, my strength would be lying in, 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 I would say in, uh, in being an enthusiastic supporter of people mm-hmm. and then finding comfort in the process because otherwise I feel like it gets all this, it gets out of control Uh, and that causes anxiety. So it can be frightening. Yeah, it can be frightening. And so I get, I get, uh, I mitigate anxiety around the unknowns, the world that I choose to put myself, Mm -hmm. um, uh, because of process, because I believe in the process. Interesting. And so my whole, to your kind of, so my whole, like when I talk to folks that are in corporate as an example, or people that are in corporate, they want to, they're curious about entrepreneurialism. I, I think entrepreneurs are actually more risk averse than corporate folks. Mm-hmm. We just digest risk differently. Yeah. Like I, I am um, super mindful of all the risks that are in my life. Mm-hmm. I just look at them differently and treat them differently than other people. And, and, and you're a similar, yep. similar guy. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the big difference between that. And so, you know, getting into the risks of what you do in life it's knowing that there's certain risks that I can mitigate with a repetitive solution and I can learn from that. And that's called, that's what I call process. Hmm. So interesting. And I love how you just said that the, the, the single kind of chair maker and Ikea yeah. like that really hits home for me. Cause I'm like that creative person. I, I am that like chair person. Craftsman. Yeah. With yeah. the hopes of getting to somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So it's like, it's a very, you know, I, so when you're, when you're, when you're explaining it, I'm just like, man, I don't know if like, that's just but like, but it's cool. So like, when you talk about like where it comes to, comes to roost, like good Netflix show that you'd love. Have you watched the defiant ones? On the no. Netflix? Oh, you got to watch it. That good? It's so good. It's four shows. It's about Dre and Jimmy Iovine, right? Their paths through life, both mm. creatives, yep. right? And how they created scale and it created process mm. and ultimately emerged as this, the sellers of Beats by, Beats by Dre. Is that the actual message? Do they, did you distill it into two creatives be scaling? Well, the way they structure the show. Cause it, cause that, that is exactly the. Yeah. The way they structure the show, like Jimmy Iovine, right. He like broke, uh, broke Stevie Nicks, broke Tom Petty, broke, you know, he did rattle and hum. Like yep. he did, uh, he, he produced Springsteen albums. Right. And then ultimately did these, you know, these, whatever, but Jimmy Iovine. Oh, sorry. And then he, then he, then he, uh, founded, um, um, uh, Beastie Boys with Beastie Boys album, not Grant, not uh, oh. Interscope. 
Interscope Records, right? Mm -hmm. And like he believed in the process. Mm -hmm. And Ultimate Creative, they show they show Dre and they show Jimmy Ivine just like like listening to music mm -hmm. and knowing that a speaker was detuned yep. in a in a car. Yeah. Whereas like I don't have that gear at all. Oh no. Right. Did, but you'd love that. Yeah. Did and when you watch that show, could you actually like you, you connect those dots quite easily? You like yeah. Well, cause it was obvious to me. Okay, but to yeah. you, to me, maybe yeah. Okay, because I I think, you know, um, yeah, it's it's really cool. You can see that. It's really and why I keep on going back to this because you're like talking. I'm listening right now as like a client almost, <laughs> which is really cool because that's why I love this show because I can get smart characters and I just get to learn a bunch of shit. Oh, funny, yeah. So this is why I'm kind of on this on. Uh, that's why I'm like jabbing you on well, this. Well, it one could be it could be from just like you know as a consulting career when you're selling consulting, you're selling an outcome. Yeah. yeah. And the way you get the customer to buy is you got to present a methodology. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just promising an outcome. That's interesting. And that's super risky to buy. And so like, oh, here's the methodology. We go do a bit of a discovery session and then yep. we find your, you find your vision and then yep. we present a roadmap and then we break down the roadmap into tasks. And then it's, oh, now that's easy. Now that I feel better. I, I'll pay a million dollars for that. Do you have, do you have that um, when, when you sell that? As a consultant, yeah. Do you have like a, a, a hard and fast format? Like, do you have like documents and papers and, and presentations, or, or you, you just know the steps in your head and you're walking people through it? Um, I mean, ultimately, people want to buy a thing. Yeah. So, whatever those steps are, you got to break those down yep. and figure out what it is and present it back to them in a th in a thing they can buy. Gotcha. So, so yes, I know it. And yes, you've got to produce it yep. because they're going to want to put something on their desk that says this is worth a million dollars yep. or $2 million or $150 million or $150,000, yep. right? Because they, they, they ultimately are buying something that is, um, th that is abstract and, and they want to reduce their buying their, their, sorry, their recommendation risk. Right. And so you got to give them something that says, okay, this is going to reduce the recommendation risk. Hmm. And here's the methodology as a process. And maybe that's, yep. maybe that's just years of doing that, yep. that I gravitate towards looking for that in the way people do things. So cool, man. Uh, yeah. I'd love to, that's like a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it can be pretty boring. I mean, it's, no, but, it's, but it's, 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 but it's funny is a lot of it is just like going back to what we were chatting about earlier, like, like methodology structure and storytelling structure yep. are all the same. It's, the difference is, is in storytelling structure, you're arcing on certain parts of that narrative to create intrigue and, and desire. Yep. Whereas in a, in a methodology, in a, in a, uh, a method consulting methodology or delivery methodology, you're trying to do it to mitigate intrigue and risk. You're trying to remove it. Yeah. So in one, you're, you're, you're hiding certain details, right? Like you go back and watch like um, E.T. again, right? Or go back and watch like Psycho where like you hear the sound, you see the knife, but you never – you see the blood in the sink and mm -hmm. the, the drain. Mm -hmm. But no one is actually filmed being stabbed. But, but that's heightened yeah. anxiety yeah. by what they withhold. Yeah. In a consulting engagement where you're selling abstract stuff, I'll put it that way, you are about revealing as much as possible based on what you understand. Just so, they, so that it's clarity which then has confidence to make a decision. That's right. Yeah. And they'll pay more. Yeah. That makes sense. Because you're reducing risk. School man, I'm getting like a little 101 here. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to university, so this is like this is uh, this is my education. That was selling. <laughs> um, I want to I want to get you talking about um, a project that's obviously kind of um, that I'm interested in is on the hockey side of things. Yeah, I want to get into um, get into Raven. 
Yeah, Raven was was a lot of fun. It's still a lot of fun. We uh, started Raven in 2012. And just and just yeah. clarify what it is. Yeah, for sure. Raven Hockey is uh, we we started out creating pro stock sticks for players under 120 pounds, and we were the first in the world to to scale a stick. Uh, down to a player that was developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say developing in terms of they're growing, yeah. right? So they're growing from like a 40-pound hockey player to, you know, to like, a, like I said, 120 pounds. And one of the things that we got out of, uh, again, borrowing from another industry, looking at golf, golf had graduated golf clubs for players. So there was like, you know, 27-inch golf clubs right yep. through to to 54-inch uh, long uh, golf clubs. And the golf market had this really established way of communicating to everybody about the problem that your golf equipment had to fit you. Otherwise, you're going to have a miserable day on the course. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we took that same idea and built it into hockey sticks and, and marketed it and brought that to market around um, communicating to the market about the problem that your gear doesn't fit you. Yep. And so you're not going to have a good day if your gear doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so we, we communicated about um, you need to get the right, the right, depending on your height and weight, here's a grid, here's a communicate it. And <clears throat> and pick the the stick that fits you. Yep. And buy that stick, and you're in a better time. You know, you and I growing up playing hockey, we would have bought a stick, and we, we probably might have cut down like 12, 14, 16 inches off a hockey yeah. stick because you were you know an inch taller than yep. the, the small, or you put plugs in it, right? Yep. And you just have this really terrible uh, athletic experience. Yeah, the flex the flex goes all the flex is all over the place, and, yep. now, and you know, and the story that my co-founder tells. Who's that? It was his experience, Sean Riley. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he went and bought this. He, 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 uh, his kid was a beanpole, grew really fast, really early. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and graduated out of the stick that he was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And then he went and bought the next level stick, yep. cut it down, just yep. like the guy in the store told him to do. And he was terrible. Because it got, because it got, because it, it went from like, it went from like super noodly yep. to the stiff two by four. Yep. And his kid was, you know, wasn't able to, nobody would be able to manage that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he was even worse. And so now you're kind of caught in between. And so we built the stick, brought it to market and, uh, we grew it into 240 stores, uh, in North America, plus a couple of stores. And, you know, at our, at our biggest, it's hard to look back in, in the spring of 2021 and, and wonder where the market's going to be in terms of hockey. Yep. Um, but, uh, brought it to market and, and we had no money. And so we were, what year was this? We started in 2012. It's been that long. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And I, di- I didn't pick up on this. I didn't pick up that you were involved for, it, it was a while. It was a while because I, I don't have kids, but yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you hear Raven and, and then somehow I figured out it was you. I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. where, where'd this come and from? And that was a total side hustle. Yeah. And so we learned a ton in that space around. Because your boys were playing? Where boys were playing. All three of our founders. So was, my was co-founders it? are Sean Riley, Dan Pilling, pills. and myself. Yeah, so Pills, pills that's how. And the whole world knows Pills. Yep. So were you guys trying to solve a problem that you could see for your own kids? Well, or just the we, we, I'll say we had a personal experience of the problem. Yeah. And then the size of the market yep. was, well, the best part about that market is that it, it uh, fills itself up every year yep. with a new kid that's coming in and a yep. new kid that goes out. Yep. Right. And, and the kids grow. So they don't, the, the, um, the uh, life cycle of a hockey stick owner, mm. of hockey stick ownership for that piece of that particular piece of equipment is really short yep. because kids grow yep. and they break things. Totally. Right. And so, you know, be a product, have an emotional connection, tell a good story mm-hmm. and connect that story with the buyer and then, and then put it in, in a place where they can get it yep. and, uh, and, you know, place that bet. And did you, it's my head right. It went, my head went right to your scale conversation. Did yeah. You, did you like, did you yeah. know 
how to how to get it to 240? Did you know it was going to no, go? No, we and that was a lot of lessons, right? So it took us a while to get there. And the lesson with Raven uh, is that if you want to go compete against Bauer and CCM, which which sounds daunting, which is, and I don't recommend it. Um, you know, make sure you uh, go faster than they can go. Right. Be and nimble so, and like. Yeah, be nimble. But I mean, like, we didn't have enough capital yep. to go at them. Right. And so we would have been in a better position to lock in that particular market yep. had we been able to completely displace them from that category altogether. Um, but we didn't know enough about distribution mm -hmm. channels and how, how stores buy yep. and how they buy. Like they buy a full catalog of products. So if you want the new Bauer mm -hmm. NX2, you've got to buy this and that and yep. the, how they package things. Mm -hmm. And so we learned a lot of that uh, after the fact. And so gotcha. those are expensive lessons to learn. Yep. Um, but you know, it was it was worthwhile. I certainly learned a lot. Or all three founders, we learned a ton mm -hmm. in in uh, go to market, in digital marketing, mm -hmm. in emotional storytelling, in um, in conversion and then ultimately what it takes to get to be venture scale. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can, <clears throat> you look at, at CCM as an example, started a bicycle company in Toronto. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, and look where they are today. Yeah. And that, that, uh, arc is, is like a hundred year old arc. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're looking to displace somebody. I'm not saying you can't do it. It can be done by anybody, yep. but ensure that you have the right capitalization and the right skill where we were doing it as a side hustle. Yep. So if you're going to go at, Goliath, mm -hmm. go at Goliath. Mm -hmm. Don't like try and do it as a side hustle. Yeah. Cause ultimately you're just going to lose if you're not committed. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean fully committed. Yeah. And so that was our lesson there. And, um, <clears throat> still, still going, right? It's still going. It's a great brand. Yeah. Uh, we have a ton of like, we've the, we, we're lucky in that we've got passionate followers yep. for our brand uh, in a passionate sport. For sure. Right. And, and that's something that we're really, uh, we're really lucky about. And, and we continue to feed it and make sure we support the right people in the right places and, and help them mm -hmm. be really successful in enjoying the game. And we still share our stories, you know, within the, the network of people that use Raven sticks uh, and their successes and, the, and their, their ability to thrive mm -hmm. where they weren't able to thrive before. Yep. And that's, that's an awesome, like we talk a lot about how we don't sell sticks. We sell fist pumps. We sell goal celebrations. We sell, you know, we sell paying in the glass. Like that's what we sell. That's our business. Yep. It's not selling carbon fiberglass resin, and uh, mm -hmm. whatever, and, and, and graphics. Hmm. And so that's something that we learned along the way. It's cool, man. It's, um, yeah, obviously now, uh, now that I'm coaching my nephew, you just see it, you see these little kids running around with Raven and it's it's, it's really cool to, yeah. to, to know how it all started. And to your point, you know, to, to A, decide to get into the hockey world in Canada and knowing that the big, like those big players, like that's a, it's a straight uphill Totally. Like it just. I wouldn't recommend it. No, it's, it's, it sounds horrible. They might not have had like little junior sticks figured out and flexes and all that, but yeah. I, I just, you know. But it is true. You now we go. To, I go to a store. I go to Adrenaline or Pro Skate or Tuxedo or. Yep. <clears throat> and we change the way sticks are sold. Mm -hmm. There's, they're all copied us. Yeah. And uh, and they didn't, they, they copied us because it was a better way. They are doing it now. Yeah, they do it. They do it to some degree. Mm. And uh, our sticks are still better. Obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> better construction, better. Ravenhockey.com.ca. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But, but obviously you're better. And you obviously care for your children but more, your players more, if you buy a Raven stick. Just, uh, 
Obviously, you should have a shirt on a like shirt me. On, yeah. <laughs> or just yeah. Yeah, stamp just, it on you your just forehead. Care more. You just care more. You care more for your children's playing experience. So um, funny. But uh, yeah, th- those are things that, that you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it was ultimately a really good experience. It's still a good, it's a great brand. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it still, you know, we still bring joy to players. Yeah. And that's what we're in the business for, is, cool. to, is to convey that joy. Because it really is like, I mean, the, the story of the, the, the player sleeping with their hockey stick is, mm-hmm. still happens today. Mm-hmm. And we don't, there's a lot of things in life that have gone away. And the ability to, to create that connection with a piece of equipment and a player yeah. is, is pretty special. For sure. And particularly in those years, like mm-hmm. from 5 to 12, yeah. where when you, know, you remember growing up, like sport was like defined you. For sure. Right? Totally. And if you can take a kid who's struggling with the sport and you can absolutely change their experience mm-hmm. with just a piece of equipment, yeah. then you can, you can really bring a lot, of, a lot of good to that player's um, the sport experience. Yep. And, and as we talked earlier, like I really believe that, that, um, that team sports is one of the few places that we're allowing our, our, our youth to fail yep. and to learn lessons mm-hmm. and to, to, to be disappointed with their own play, disappointed mm-hmm. with the teammates play. Mm-hmm. And, and from that we're building uh, adversity and grit yep. and stick to itness yep. that doesn't happen in, in most places totally. now because yep. we've taken all those we've taken the fear of losing away mm-hmm. and um i think knowing how to lose is well more important than learning how to win i agree uh because you 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 if you, you cannot win without losing yep it's impossible and, and nobody talks about it no you know no. what i mean like it's it's yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's i mean there's some really there's, there's some really cool stories out there i mean and this this will graduate into business like pretty quickly like you know um, like Walt Disney was turned down, I think the number is like 309 times before he got it to someone to agree to finance Disneyland, mm-hmm. right? But his approach wasn't that um, that the bank was wrong. His approach was that he needed to get better. Yep. And it wasn't until his 309th time that he was actually good enough to finance. Yep. It took him 308 reps, yep. right? Well, a lot of people would think that, oh, the, you know, well, there's 308 bankers that turned him down that screwed it up. His approach was that, no, there's 308 bankers that helped me get better so I could sell 309 time. Totally. Right? That's how you look at it. Interesting, man. Um, we're rolling here. Uh, I, want, I want you to explain this new business venture. And, and, yeah. the, and the reason I want, you know, usually I don't, um, you know, harp on people's businesses and what they do because it's kind of a, a, a weird sell. But your, the business right now is such an interesting topical business idea for the state of the world right now that's why i want you to kind of to kind of give us the overview of what it is you're doing because it's just obviously you didn't plan for what happened no yeah no but but it is it is it's unbelievable how relevant it is right for now. sure for and sure and that's why happy to share happy and to that's share. why i want to because honestly i i don't think i've asked one guest yet to get into what they really do but this is this one's really cool well i think we'll, we'll put it in context too right so like um so i see what you see is a video platform for field service teams and what that means is that um, you know field service work is the kind of work that we all depend on to to, to keep our infrastructure running, and that could be the infrastructure in your home, yep. that could be the actual infrastructure Dude, of so the world. To dumb it down, my Shaw, yeah, my Shaw motor sh- breaks, motor or breaks. I, I lose connection, yeah, and I you know I either pick up the phone, yeah, or I get in a live chat on their like computer, and those are my options, and then I have to wait for someone to come out. That's right. So that's one. That's kind of the scenario you've got today. That's 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 your. 
That is your 99% solution for yep. the problems that you feel within your life. Yep. And what I see, what you see enables is that for a company like Shaw in that scenario to send a text, text message to you and you click on it and you're instantly on a video call. And that video call is supported by augmented reality. So they can draw on the screen, they can point you and you can self-serve. Self, self and, and just that little bit of technology solves so many problems in the world today because we're able to help out customers without any really minimal technology background yep. to eliminate that whole friction of connection. Because yep. I'm going to ask you to download an app, you like, forget it, send mm -hmm. a truck, mm -hmm. right? Or if I'm going to ask you to log in or do a password yep. or whatever, there's so many different opportunities for this. Or do you have an Android or mm -hmm. Apple, right? Yep. For this, this actually to fall apart. that You can't build a process around it. But if you want to actually have some sort of enterprise scale, you've got to have something that eliminates all those friction points with that end customer, makes it smooth, and then ultimately collects data. Gotcha. And that data that we collect helps drive an improvement of the process. So as in, um, you know, if, if, going back to the Shaw example, if they keep on seeing the same thing over and over, same problems over yeah. and over, and you guys can show the data, yeah. and they can, make, they can make a change in infrastructure so that That's that problem right. doesn't happen. And maybe don't buy that. They, maybe they stop selling that particular modem, yep. or they, have a, they, they change the way they resolve the problems. So they go say, hey, um, like, and, and they can be anything. Like, for example, like, uh, like let's make sure the thing's plugged in first. Yep. Like that sounds silly. Or make sure that if it's plugged into a power bar, is the power bar plugged in? Yeah. Is that thing turned on? Like yeah. all those things that are obvious, mm -hmm. like trucks roll for that. Yeah. And it costs these companies like Shaw a tremendous amount of money. Mm -hmm. And and what's and what's even worse is it's um the it costs them a lot of money. It creates a tremendous amount of customer anxiety and downtime. Yeah. So I mean, being out of the internet is one thing. What if you've got a leak? Yeah, for sure. Like if you get a leak, you know there's collateral damage that's forming. Mm -hmm. Like let's say you're 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 underneath your toilet, it's leaking. Yeah. That uh, that you want to have an urgent solution for, and that's you know it's really inefficient in the market to scramble some of your house just to turn off the water supply to that yep. particular toilet. Yeah. Because um, literally, they they could they get a text, somebody pops up on video. Yeah. And and they're and they're like, hey, just show me the toilet. Yeah. Okay, great. Turn that valve to the Turn right. Turn that thing to the left. Yeah. Turn that valve to the right. Shut the water off. We'll be there Monday. Yeah. Don't use the toilet. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so things like that manifest themselves across the whole field service cycle. So inspections, right? quality assurance, uh, estimations. Right. Like how many times are you waiting for someone to come give you an estimate? Yeah. Because they've got to on on your calendar. They've got to come out and and give you an opportunity to buy. Yeah. Like that's silly. Mm -hmm. You should be much. You, you can because usually the first person that gets there wins the deal. Yeah. So we've got customers as long now. As they've got a half personality, they can like yeah, close the deal. But even then, yeah. I mean, <laughs> even then, <laughs> if you're the first person, you're usually going to win. So we've Warm. got <laughs> we've got customers that do it that that use I see what you see like all around Toronto. Whereas like if there's a deal, uh, and like one's a commercial cleaner. And if and they're based out of like Markham, right? Yep. Which is if you know Toronto, it's opposite side of a big gigantic city. Yeah. And 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 they'll be bidding on work in Mississauga, which is like you know an hour and a half mm -hmm. to two hour and two and a half hour drive on a good day. On a good day. And so you're committing to drive all the way across that town just to the chance to win work. Just to take a swing. Just to swing. And now those swings are at a low cost. Yeah. So they can go out and they can go. They just they hit the customer. Customer calls them. They review the site and they they can give the customer a budget budgetary direction within like basically half an hour, yep. right? Rather than all that, you know, basically five hours of back and forth and the deals he didn't win because he didn't bid on them. So, and then and behind all of this drives is an AI engine that begins to start to, as you mentioned, like learn from the process and mm -hmm. try and make things, make recommendations. Yeah, even that damn word. <laughs> it's going to be burned into my yeah, soul, go. But, I, but I need it. So yeah. anyways, keep going. There you go. <laughs> but that learn from the process so that you can get more scale and how to solve this, yep. this repetitive problem. 
And so as I was saying, like, it's really expensive. It costs a ton of time. It's the most unsafe part of the job mm-hmm. is driving, yep. right? So you're gonna, if, you're a, if you're a technician in the field, your likelihood of getting injured in the job is like 10X when you're behind the wheel than when you're actually doing your work, mm-hmm. right? And then finally, there's a ton of emissions, right? All those trucks in the world that are idling, that are interesting. All the emissions that relate to field service delivery are all super controllable, mm-hmm. but no one has any sort of like, because they haven't had a digital option, yep. they don't really, um, they're not factored into what's possible. And so make it safer, make it cheaper, make yep. it quicker, yep. make it less, less polluting. Uh, and that's, you know, and, and then, and your customers are happier. Yep. So all those things can happen at once. Did you, when you just, how, when did you start it? When did you and I, so we founded, group, yeah. Group co-founders. What is it? Yeah. Co-founders. Okay. Co-founder, co-founder, yep. Co-founders. We founded it, um, formally, I'll say late 2018. Okay. And, um, and we got, we worked for a full year with, uh, we got lucky with ACO as a customer right away, yep. uh, local gas utility mm-hmm. and, you know, completely uncharacteristic for utility to make, take a technology bet. Yep. But we solved the problem for theirs that they had around truck rules and, uh, yep. and customer service. And then we, um, we moved into, um, another big builder, a residential builder called Brookfield. Yep. They, they came online and then just had those two customers for the first, I'll say seven or eight months. Yep. And then we were fully commercial in January. And now we've got about 35, 36 customers now. And, uh, you know, now we've got, you know, we're a team of 10 growing fast and, and really pushing hard this, um, this, you know, remote work yep. for field teams. Like it's just so topical. Like, yeah. I, and, and, and it's, it's funny, like we've all suffered the pain. Yep. Like we, we suffer, we suffer the pain of inconvenience suffer the pain of downtime and, uh, and what, I mean, you're right in terms of topical, but it's like, like everything's remote right now. Like yeah. The whole world is going, I'm, I'm exaggerating. The word remote is, is everybody's using it, whether yeah. it's workspaces or any. So for you to have a solution right now, it just, it, it. Yeah. And, and, and the benefit of it is it benefits everybody. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are like, there are tools like FaceTime that you could try to use, but yep. now you're violating your privacy obligations and you're not collecting or creating data. That's the debt. And, and we both, we both, I know, and you know, too, data is. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah, all your all your best decisions are based off the data versus based of, I think you think. Yeah, or tribal, or even worse, your technician said this and yeah. I heard that. Do you um are you are you surprised at the growth in a short amount of time, or is this or well, is this, is this right on right on your? No, I mean like, we 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 think we should have grown faster, mm. and so there's there's uh yeah by any means I think that we look back of our our kind of forecast relative to our rate of growth, like, you know, we grew from 200, I'll, I'll say MRR, which is monthly reoccurring revenue. Uh, we had $200 worth of monthly contracts in January, mm-hmm. 2020. We we're like four and a half thousand by April. Yep. So we thought we'd just continue growing at that space, that right. pace, right? Yep. It was like 450% or something like that, yeah. which didn't happen. Yeah. And, and we had some, and we had some bumps along the way and we learned a lot of things. And, um, and so no, we're, we're, we, we, we want to grow much, much, much faster. Yep. And, um, and I would say that the the appetite for the solution has now exceeded the number of suppliers in the market. Yeah. So that's going to pull in more suppliers in the market. For sure. So we have to capture that yep. market appetite mm-hmm. before more and more people come into the marketplace. Yep. It's it's really cool, man. You and I caught up probably must have been a year ago. Year and it was a like, bit. It was like yeah, it was about this time last year. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, that was kind of the first time that I actually got to hear about what it is you do. And yeah. right, right, right away, it caught my interest because it's, it's, it's well, such I mean, a it's, cool solution. It's, it's, it, and the idea to make it super simple yep. for, for both the technician and for the, um, and for the end user was really a big part of what we, how we angled all that in. Yep. 
And, uh, and it's incredible working with these techs, like these mm -hmm. guys in the uh, guys and gals in this field space, like they're first responders, mm -hmm. right? They don't get, they don't get, they're totally underserved from a technology perspective. Yep. They, um, they're on the front lines, keeping our houses warm or water running or yep. internet going and, you know, building infrastructure for these cities that we live in. And, uh, and they don't have anything. And there's no technology yep. available. For, there's limited technology available for them. Yep. And so to be able to serve this underserved audience of people that it just goes back to our restaurant conversation that are that are on the in the world to serve, mm -hmm. and uh, and be able to serve them is is it's it's incredible. We hear such great stories. I can't imagine. You know, yep. and uh, and and they are like they they genuinely do whatever it takes to get somebody back online. Yep. And um and and being able to help them with a tool so that they can do it safely and quickly. Um, <clears throat> it's incredible. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, you and I could talk a long, a totally long, a long time. And I think I, I'd probably just pepper you with more with like business questions. It'd be more I, interesting to talk about the bar days. <laughs> <laughs> those are, those are some stories. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the way I like to end the show is I ask, it's the only canned question. And the, the question is, you know, when I say Calgary, where does your head go? So I'm, uh, very curious to hear where, how you answer this one. Okay. Is it a one answer? One word answer? Well, I'm going to hold you to it. No, not a one word. One, one, one. Uh, I think we're a pioneering city and we, sorry, I believe we are a pioneering city and Calgary got away from its pioneer roots for probably 10 years. And this current disruption to our prosperity has pushed us back to being pioneers. And I mean pioneers like the definition of the word, not the modern usage of it, yep. of people who are out there sticking it together, working it together to, to achieve incredible things in incredibly harsh circumstances. Mm -hmm. And we have the, the personality and the grit and the intelligence and the wherewithal to prove it to the world that we can become the most, you know, the most successful city in, 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 that's possible for us yep. and we can compete in a global scale because we are able to, to, to work together to get things completed. And, and that's something that, uh, and we'll do it with a lot of fun. Right. And that's the thing that I think that is, has a bit overlooked as we became a little bit more corporate mm -hmm. and there's less startups and less lower sorry, I'll say historically less, but now we're starting to see that trend upwards yep. where we're starting to see more people take risks. We're starting to people understand the economics. And I think people are beginning to accept the fact that, in Calgary, you can make it happen, and you but you need to work with people in order to make it happen, and 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 that uh, that goes back to how this whole city was settled, yeah, right. And so those settlers, that pioneering approach, that sense of community, of bringing it all together and working together to make everyone around us successful, yeah, is is something that that I think that has always been in our DNA, and was not on showcase for a number of years. And I think we got away from ourselves. That's an interesting one. So there you go. That's, Pioneers. A, that's a cool one, man. I, um, <clears throat> yeah, usually that, that, that is the, there's probably been one other guest that kind of had a similar tone to it, but it, it's really interesting that one. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense too. We're a small town. Yeah. At mm -hmm. the end of the day. Yeah. And, uh, and the more we stick together, uh, I do think that we're going to be much more successful. I agree, man. And, uh, and there's, there's a, a I get, I lose patience with the politicians because they seem to be getting more airtime and how they uh, create an antagonistic language mm -hmm. towards one another versus just working together. Yep. And so I think that the, you know, I'm not in politics for a lot of reasons. My history in the bars is probably one of them, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> I think that, uh, 
that the more that we as entrepreneurs work to support one another, mm-hmm. you know, you asking me about my business, me being here to help you out yep. and, uh, and, and, and enjoy doing it, the more we'll be successful. Yep. It's just pretty, it's a simple formula. It is, but it definitely has, you've been, in, you've been at it a lot longer than me, but it's really cool to hear your perspective on, yeah. on the shifts. Uh, thanks for making the time. Yeah, man. Really appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, Calgary needs a curation of all of these stories and experiences and inspirations. And, uh, you're doing it. You're the medium and, uh, we need that more than anything else is to share these stories because, um, and you're a great interviewer, by the way. Thanks buddy. Uh, I think to, 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 to bring these stories to the forefront and make sure they're available for everyone to hear, uh, makes for good content. Yeah, everyone, everyone needs to hear a good story these days. Yeah, dude, it's it's so fun. It's so fun, and I've said this a few times. I'm literally I'm literally just going through my my Rolodex of people that I know that are good people and successful. And I'm just like, there's a guest, there's a guest. So uh, you were high on the list. So thanks again oh, for making the time, that, man. Jeff. Good seeing you. Yeah, dude, you too. Thank you.